If you eat 60 Skittles at a time, you can't taste the bad ones. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Popular Science's Tecathlon, tech news through games, trivia, and usually friendly competitions. I'm your host, Jason Letterman, and playing along with me today are Corinne, the headless horseman Iosio. It's weird, but I can still talk. Stan, Invasion of the Body Snatchers horror check. Yeah, I don't know why anyone would want to invade the body that I currently have, but <laughs> they're welcome to it, frankly. And Rob, Psycho Verger. You think that Psycho is a nickname, but really it's just a description. It's also my favorite horror movie. I gave it to you specifically because it's my favorite and you're my favorite. Thank Aww. you. Don't, don't tell Corinne and Stan. Let's get started with the Tecathlon Decathlon 10 trivia questions to catch you up on the week's tech news. I'll ask our panel all about what's been happening in the tech world since our last episode. They'll buzz in and get points for each question they correctly answer. They'll also have the opportunity to steal any question that their fellow panelists answer incorrectly, as long as it's not true or false or multiple choice. Now, this is a special decathlon because it's our Halloween week, or Halloween episode, if you will. We, we will. So, instead of our usual prize, anytime our panel answers a question incorrectly, they'll have to eat a Skittle. But these aren't normal Skittles. Some of them are zombie-flavored and our panel won't know until they've eaten the candy if they have a tasty treat or an undead dud. Yeah, there's some really weird mystery flavor things happening this year. That's true. And in fact, we have more than just Skittles. We also have mystery flavor Mountain Dew and mystery flavored Oreos. But the, the punishment is the Skittles because those are the zombie flavored ones. So do we only have to eat one? You only have to eat one Skittle and you might it might be a treat. You might be like, oh, I'm glad I got this question wrong. I got a Skittle. But you might also get one that's zombie flavored. They all look the same. So we won't know until you've eaten the candy, which you've gotten. Question number one. We've discussed how Google owns both Google Maps and Waze on this show before. The two have some overlapping features, but have been kept relatively separate until last week. What signature Waze feature was added to Google Maps on iOS? Corinne. Tagging where police are? I'll take that. Speed traps along with reporting accidents and traffic. Yeah, that was the big thing with Waze, right? You got all these points and your little Waze character got to have a sword. You got to be a Waze ninja if you reported enough things like debris on the road or accidents or speed traps. Yeah, it was a great way for people to, like, crash their cars when they were busy reporting things. That really turned me off to Waze in the beginning, like, the, how adorable and, and cute it was. Like, it just didn't – it felt like such a serious – like, I need you to do a good job of telling me where to go, and I need to be able to trust this for me to not get a speeding ticket. So the more cartoon characters you put on a thing like that, the less it seems good to me. I don't know. that that Like, that early impression I got of Waze really just kind of stuck in my head. It's interesting because it's such a good, like, example of the network effect. Like, those functions wouldn't work if there weren't a lot of Waze users, but there wouldn't be a lot of Waze users if people didn't like it in the first place. So it's kind of an interesting chicken and egg tech thing. I've seen several demonstrations of tech like this where eventually the cars are just going to have the sensors in it, and they're going to see where the slowdowns are, and they're going to be able to auto-report to these services. So, you know, presumably so to facilitate self-driving cars. But in the meantime, be able to do this automatically. You know, your phone does it too. It just sees if somebody's phone isn't moving. Right, like Volvo has a system where they can alert other Volvos for icy roads. That's kind of like the next step from, you know, beyond the human actually doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I should say this feature was also previously available on Android. So now it's on both Android and iOS. So do we get to eat the Skittles now? No. No? Ugh, man, I want one. <laughs> question number two is a true or false question. 
Google is in the news after employees accused the search giant of spying on its workers in an attempt to quash efforts to form a union. True or false, Google employees have an internal Chrome extension installed on their browsers that creates an alert if too many rooms or employees are added to a meeting. Rob, I'm just going to guess that it was true. It is true. Oh, man. <laughs> Rob really wants those Skittles. He I do. really wants the Skittle. Employees claim that they're being reported to management if they add 10 rooms or 100 employees to a meeting. Google denies this, saying the add-on is to prevent calendar spam and that a pop-up simply informs employees to be conscious of others if a large number of people are put on the invitation. How are they supposed to sell each other essential oils? Yeah, right. There's no pyramid oil. schemes at Google. <laughs> yeah. Like, how are they going to sell their leggings? No, it's it's not or... a pyramid scheme. You just invite two of your friends, and they invite two of their friends, and then we all get rich. But I get the richest. A top-down strategy. Mm. I like it. Question number three. SpaceX and its CEO, Elon Musk, are working on bringing internet connectivity to the world via a fleet of satellites called Starlink. Musk, who's known for being active on Twitter, even when it gets him in trouble, announced via the social network that he was tweeting via Starlink. When the tweet went through, most folks, including Musk, were surprised. What did Musk then tweet to display his shock? Stan. I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, wow, it works. Whoa, it like, worked. Uh, yeah, that was it. <laughs> nice. Stan got that question right, but is now opening the Skittles anyway, so we may be at the point where people are just going to eat the zombie Skittles. Oh. <laughs> Stan, tell us what you're experiencing right now. Oh, it's like a regular Skittle if you stored it in an old sock for a while. <laughs> you mm. just shove a bunch in your mouth? No, just one red one. Oh, it's like an old cheese-flavored Skittle. I got a regular Skittle. Me too. Wow. Mm. I haven't had Skittles in a long time, but I hope this was the bad tasting one. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Skittles taste like. It's like old milk Skittle. Did, did, you, did a, you get a bad one? No, I got a great one. Oh. Okay. Normal Skittle. Question number four is a multiple choice question. In quantum computing, the number 200 is magic. Google last week announced it had achieved, quote, quantum supremacy, meaning its quantum computers could do a calculation in 200 seconds that would take a normal supercomputer how long to perform. A, 10 years, B, 100 years, C, 1,000 years, or D, 10,000 years? Rob. Uh, 10,000 years. It is 10,000 years. Now, IBM, who obviously is competing with Google in this market, says that Google's calculations are incorrect and a normal computer would only take two and a half days to do these calculations, not 10,000 years. So obviously that's a bit of a discrepancy, but Google is claiming quantum supremacy. They've been yelling about it so loudly, and you know the CEO put out a blog item about this. And um, quantum computers seem really exciting, and supercomputers in general do so many important tasks. But it, th I think, it remains to be seen. Like, will quantum computers ever take over for traditional supercomputing to do those things? You know, it's it's a new field. Let's, what kind of things are they expecting it to do? I was going to say, let's backtrack even further. What is the difference between a regular computer and a quantum computer? So essentially, a normal computer works processing zeros and ones. Like, is something on or is it off? And that can only happen in a binary state. But with a quantum computer, a bit or a qubit can be in both states at the same time. So you're basically exponentially expanding the number of operations that can happen at a given time. The more qubits you pile on, the more computations you can do simultaneously in multiple variations. It's a serious, just like mind-bending thing. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Corinne. 
as, at least as much sense as quantum physics in a computer can make. Uh, yeah. yeah, quantum like quantum physicists struggle to explain quantum physics because it is so mind-bendingly crazy. If you want to feel real dumb, go read the Google blog post about this yes. because it starts off like, "Hey, we did this really great thing." Now, here's a, the most complicated thing you've ever like it's almost like you stare at it and you're like, Hmm, are these English words? Because I recognize about 40% of them. <laughs> I spent a good chunk of time yesterday trying to do that. Oh, man. Question number five. The two um, you got the bad one? Rob, tell us tell us what this bad Skittle is like. It just tastes kind of rotten. Rotten mm. in what? Like rotten meat? Like rotten fruit? It tastes like wood. Damp wood mixed with like a rotten egg. It's a sulfury. Like the devil got in my Skittle. <laughs> <laughs> Question number five. Last week, we discussed the lawsuit from state attorneys general across the country to prevent the merger of T-Mobile and Sprint. Part of the official approval of that merger relies on DISH, the folks behind DISH Network Satellite TV, becoming a new mobile provider. One of the states involved with the lawsuit dropped out last week after DISH, which was founded in this state, announced it will hire 2,000 new employees over the next three years and they will work in a facility in that state. Which state is it? Rob, is it California? It is not California. Rob, you've got to eat a Skittle now on purpose. Okay. <laughs> Twist my arm. Stan. Is it Texas? It I, is not Texas. I always guess Texas. <laughs> you usually guess Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I do. Yes. I was pretty sure it wasn't that this time, though. Stan, eat a Skittle. From? All right. Um, Corinne. Georgia? Not Georgia. Okay, here we go. It's Colorado. Ah! Oh, Corinne got one. Oh, that's <laughs> awful. Describe the taste, Corinne. It's like, you know when you have one of those containers of baby spinach? Mm-hmm. And then, like, there's the slimy one at the bottom, and you it gets in, like, you try to pick around it, but one of them gets into your salad anyway? It's that. Oh, my God. Yeah, gross. Oh, that is awful. <laughs> Help, they're going everywhere. Stan, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just need a whole handful of them? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> There's too many. <laughs> I'm full of regret. Colorado is, by the way, the second state to drop out of the lawsuit after Mississippi. Question number six. Customers of one of the major cell phone carriers have been experiencing problems with their voicemail. In fact, the outage has lasted for weeks and affects, quote, multiple markets, including North and South Carolina, Tennessee, and parts of Indiana, and possibly more. Which carrier's customers can't get their voicemail? Stan. Sprint. It's not Sprint. Aw. Skittles. Rob. Is it Cricket? It's not Cricket. Corinne. AT&T. It is AT&T. Look at that. Whoa. Eat some Skittles, losers. (laughs) (laughs) The Verge found a 40-page thread in the support forums of AT&T with people complaining about this issue in markets around the country. I fantasize about something like this happening. <laughs> like just like, nobody ever being able to leave you a voicemail. Oh my god, how amazing! I hate voicemail so much. Yeah, because like I lie all the time and tell people I didn't get their voicemail. My so voicemail box. True. Yeah, my voicemail box has been full for probably six months, and people keep telling me, "You know, your voicemail box is full," and I'm like, "Mm-hmm." Yeah, that's the right strategy <laughs> is to just let it get full. I just can't get people to leave me. I think people know too much. They just want to like. Make the phone ring to make me feel bad, and it works. I just my voicemail message literally says, "Please don't leave me a message and just text me." I will. Eh, thank you. Yeah, you could also friend me on um, Friendster. There we go. Hmm. Question number seven: Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg went before Congress last week to testify about Libra, 
Facebook's somewhat controversial cryptocurrency slated to launch globally in 2020, or let's be realistic, sometime eventually, maybe. Quite a few senators used the time to ask about Facebook directly, but one point that came up several times was that the foundation which created Libra isn't based in the U.S. Which country was Libra created in? Stan. Is it Korea? Not Korea. Mm. Rob? Is it Switzerland? It is Switzerland. Oh, right. Zuck claims he can't move the Libra Association, which created the currency, because he's not in charge of it. Interesting. Right. Yeah, that was a that was a real fine point where they kept asking Mark Zuckerberg to commit to things, and he'd say, yeah, Facebook will pull out of it, but the association may go ahead with it because I can't tell them what to do. It's bigger than Facebook. R- right. You know, Nothing is bigger than Facebook. Yeah, well, if you watched the 73-hour-long congressional hearing, you would uh, probably agree because it was very long. But, yeah, he had to say multiple times, like, this is what Facebook's part of this is, and we can't necessarily control what everybody else does. It might go forward without us if something happens in terms of regulatory organizations or something yeah. like that. That was, like, his, the most frequent thing he said. Question number eight. What musical artist just released her first song in four years called Lose You to Love Me with a music video shot almost entirely on the iPhone 11 Pro? Stan. Carly Rae Jepsen. Incorrect. No, come on. Corinne. Adele. Not Adele. Rob. Miley Cyrus. Not Miley Cyrus. Thank you for playing old people trying to guess new music artists. <laughs> was it Zendaya? It was not Zendaya, <laughs> but Zendaya is Michi. Is a was fun it fact. Lizzo? It's not Lizzo. Let's was keep it, going. Let's we'll see it, who can get it. Was it Billie Eilish? It was not Billie Eilish. <laughs> <laughs> did I you say we, eyelash? Yes, but I did that on purpose. <laughs> is it Lord? It's not Lord. Lord is a good one. It's not Lord. That is a good one. Was it the Beatles? No. <laughs> was it Lady Gaga? Lady Gaga? No, yes. it was not Lady Gaga. Was it Beyonce? It was not Beyonce. Rihanna? Not Rihanna. Katy Perry? It was not Katy Perry. <laughs> Mariah Carey? Not Mariah Carey. Bette Midler. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm calling time. It's Selena Gomez. Oh. Who you've all heard of. Yes. Yeah. So allegedly the song is about Justin Bieber, and it's caused quite a feud between Gomez and Bieber's now wife, Haley Bieber, uh, who's formerly Haley Baldwin. The long-awaited follow-up to Candle in the Wind. <laughs> <laughs> How many Skittles do we have to eat? Let's say two each. I'll be generous. All right. One going in. It's like if you had a Yankee candle named New oh. Jersey Nets Locker Room. <laughs> oh, Rob God. Double loses. No. All right. It makes me so happy when oh. you guys get the zombie Skittles. Question number nine is a true or false question. Twitch is a streaming site owned by Amazon that True. Lets- which lets people play video games and directly communicate with viewers. Also true. But the site has been expanding its programming in recent years with different channels streaming both NBA and NFL games and hosting marathons of TV shows like Bob Ross. True or false, Twitch announced it will start letting streamers host viewing parties where they can watch content from Amazon Prime Video with viewers. Corinne. True. That is true. The catch is the viewers also have to have Amazon Prime. I was going to say, there's no way that they can just broadcast because that's straight up illegal. But Twitch is owned by Amazon, right? So Correct. This makes sense. It kind of feels weird that Twitch would draw attention to their ability to do this because one of the things that happens really frequently is that when there's like a UFC pay-per-view, people will just put it up on Twitch 
and people will watch the illegal stream. So the difference between that stand and this is that this is content that Amazon has the rights oh, to stream, sure. yeah. and so it'll be a, from a library from which people can choose. Well, yeah. They just knew people were doing it anyway, so yeah. they're just like, well, Hero, here's an official way to do it that makes us money. So, yeah, I get it. And question number 10, the final question of the round. Virtual private networks or VPNs act as gatekeepers for your internet data. Once you're connected to a VPN, your data will be protected and private from the Wi-Fi network you're connected to, making it safer to connect to public networks or one you may not totally trust. That's why a breach of a VPN can be incredibly dangerous for privacy. What popular VPN announced last week it suffered a breach in 2018, and although no usernames or passwords were compromised, hackers would be able to see what websites users were visiting at the time they were hacking. Man, I can't remember the name of it. I know, I know. It, it wasn't the one that I use, which was like the important information in my brain. <laughs> so I think after that, my brain was like, whew, next thing. <laughs> I, I, it's it's just not coming to me. All right, I'll call it. It's called NordVPN. Nord. Yeah, all I could think of was Tor. And I know <laughs> yeah. that's not no, it. Tor is the browser, the onion browser. Right, I know. I just, I could, that was like the Nord and Tor, I guess, yeah. stuck in my yeah. head. So the server that got hacked was in Finland, so it's likely only Finnish users would be affected. Although when you log into NordVPN, you choose the country that you'd like to access the server. So it's possible there was somebody else from a different country. And Nord also claims it switches the servers that users are connected to every five minutes. So it wouldn't have been for very long if somebody saw what you were browsing. Yeah, this is the kind of thing that's going to happen. Like, this is a really complicated thing that's do that they're doing, and it seems like they were pretty up front when they figured it out and they came forward with it. So, I don't, uh, I don't think this is like a sky is falling scenario for them because this is what they're there for, and you know, is to to try and deal with stuff like this. And it's just so insanely complicated then. All right, Corinne and Rob, you are tied. So we have a tiebreaker question. Obviously, it's Halloween-themed since it's our Halloween episode. And here's the question. We've mentioned several times on past episodes this month that Reese's is the scientifically best candy as voted by the popular science staff. In the United States, how much did snack-sized Reese's earn in dollars in 2017? I'm going to say $67 million. I'm going to say $100 million. The winner is Rob. It was $171.6 million. Nice. Anybody want to guess what the number two candy is? Number two fun size candy? Snack size candy? Um, Snickers. Snickers. Mm. Number three? Milky Way. Nope. Twix. Nope. Three Musketeers. Nope. Butterfinger. Nope. <laughs> Skittles. Nope. Hershey's. Nope. Mr. Goodbar? Nope. Crunch? Nope. You're missing a very obvious Kit Kat. one. There you go. Oh, Kit Kat is gross. Kit Kats are great. <laughs> I'd rather eat, eat a zombie Skittle than a Kit Kat. Well, you go eat a zombie Skittle, and we'll be right back after this. Welcome back. All Hallows' Eve is finally upon us, and though this is the season of spooks, ghouls, and other assorted creepy crawly things, it turns out we actually use Halloween lingo all year round. So Corinne is going to test our knowledge of some common evil-inspired tech terms. I sure am. The computer and internet worlds are completely full of wicked-sounding tech words that developers and hardware makers and coders borrow for like all manner of malicious but also sometimes benign technologies that they roll out. So the way this game is going to work is I'm going to read each of you a series of definitions, and you have to tell me what the ghoulish Halloween-y word is 
that I've just defined. Now listen to the definitions very carefully because there might be some clues inside. Ooh, spooky, scary. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to start with Rob. Okay. When a device like a fridge or a cable box continues to suck electricity even when it's turned off, or maybe only appears uh, dead in the daytime when no one's home. Hmm, that's a vampire. Like vampire power, vampire charging. Yes, vampire power, that is correct. All right, Stan. A lurking program, such as a spooling printer or an email sync that runs constantly in the background of a computer or server, as if it's a inner attendant or spirit. Spectre? No. Okay. I mean, it's a ghost? It's, I, don't, I don't know. It's a demon. Mm. Oh. Inner or attendant spirit is actually the French translation. Demon. Wow. Yeah. Croissant. <laughs> Mailer demon, right? Yep. That's the guy who emails me when I email nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Mailer demon. Yep. All right. Jason, a type of attack in which a hacker gets physical access to a computer, perhaps under the pretense of helping you spiff up your desktop or do some housekeeping in your messy downloads folder. I have no idea. This is a type of attack called an evil maid. Mm-hmm. I would, I would not have gotten that. No. All right. Rob. Yes. A mass, perhaps a messy one, of binary data stored as one amorphous thing. Mmm, a blob. Yes. Two for two. Have you guys ever watched the the original blob, the black and white one? No. It has the most amazing theme song you have ever heard. And I swear to God, like I'm, I know everything, 90% of the things I say here are nonsense, but this one is true. Like, do YouTube search for the blob theme song. It's amazing. <laughs> Sing it. No. It's, I'm pretty sure it's by The Blobs. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's great. Okay, Stan, you ready? Yes. A seriously grumpy web personality who just doesn't seem to like or agree with anyone. What is his problem? Oh, yeah, this is clearly a drunken mummy. <laughs> no. Uh, no, troll? Yes. Yay. I got one right. Nice. Jason? Yes. A computer that drones on with a singular focus, as if infected with the unrelenting desire to interact with and convert others to its cause. Rob. Mm, it's true. <laughs> uh, it's a zombie? Yes. Nice. All right, Rob. Rob Zombie. Hey! All right, Rob, this is the world's oldest digital computer, first brought online in the 1950s and conjured back to life at the National Museum of Computing in the United Kingdom in 2009. Hmm. Ghost? No, it is a witch, which stands for the Wolverhampton Instrument for Teaching Computing from Harwell. Ah, yes. That's my favorite Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> you have to love when you know somebody started with an acronym and they were like, all right, how do we get what do we work this? Basically how NASA names everything ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, Stan? This type of devious hotspot might look and outwardly act just like the benign networks you've come to love and trust. But ulterior motives lurking beneath the surface, it's actually trying to steal all of your secrets. Wow. Doppelganger. Very close. Clone. Evil twin. Mm. Okay. Mm. Okay, Jason? Yes. Last question is for you. I'm ready. A slimy, unwelcome computer program that just keeps wiggling from machine to machine. Facebook. <laughs> oh, that's ah, um, that good. It's a, a worm. Yes. So we have a tie. Jason and Rob, you each answered two questions correctly. So we have a tiebreaker. 
The Mad Hatter Magic Shop online sells an exorcist bed that recreates one of the film's iconic scenes by levitating a human on a cushion of air five feet above the mattress. (laughs) How much will this elaborate trick set you back? $3,000. Rob? $999. Jason wins. It costs $5,657.95. Whoa. I was going to say $5,000. I was like, no, that's too much for a mattress. Mm-hmm. People will spend a lot of money on their illusions. Thanks, Corinne. And let's move on to our final game of the episode. Halloween is the spookiest season of all. Creatures like vampires, zombies, and Frankenstein's monster arise from the dead. In honor of that, I asked our panel a question for the show. If you could bring back any piece of tech from the dead, what would it be? They'll have to answer that in one minute and convince their fellow panelists that their idea is best in this edition of Battle Royale. At the end of the arguments, the panel will vote for the person who swayed them the most, and they cannot vote for themselves. Whoever receives the most votes wins, and in the event of a tie, I'll cast the deciding vote. Corinne, you'll be going first. What tech product should arise from the murky waters of a sleepaway camp wearing a hockey mask? (laughs) I'm actually going to speak in defense of the clapper, and I know that you can still buy the clapper, but everybody should embrace it as if it were new, and I'm going to tell you why. All right, Corinne, when you hear the claps, your one minute will start. So the clapper is, if you think about it, one of the original smart home devices. You plug your lamp or whatever other assorted fan or device into it. You clap twice, and it turns the power off and on. And I love this just as a simple way to turn out a light that's across the room or, again, a fan that's across the room without having to move. It's the antithesis of all of these smart home devices, all of these wireless connections, all of these potential malicious entry points into our home. Like, forget a smart plug. Just plug your light into the clapper and everything's done. All right. Nice, easy 25 really? seconds left on the clock. So well, You guys can come at me. Nice, nice short pitch. Rob, you're up next. For what product will you paint a pentagram and light candles while reciting spells in tongues to bring back? I would do that to VHS tapes that have movies on them. All right. Well, you have one minute to do it starting now. So when I was a kid growing up in the 80s and 90s, there were these things called video stores. And you'd go there with your friends or your family and you'd rent a movie that you wanted to watch and it would come on a VHS tape. And later on, of course, those things became DVDs, and now we never use them, those things, because we can stream anything we want. But the reason I'm going to argue for VHS tapes is not because I think that they were a great piece of technology, because they've been replaced by things that are much better, but that I just really loved the experience of going to video stores with friends and family, and it was like this whole experience about, like, we're going to rent a movie, and then we're going to sit around and watch it and eat popcorn. And now that whole experience has become a little less special, that we have all these movies and TV shows right at our fingertips. It seems like things are kind of like constantly streaming, and uh, it's become less of a unique experience and more of just like a constant cultural onslaught. All right. 53 seconds, so just a a little bit more of a pitch than (laughs) Corinne's 35. I mean, I think I made my point. And so did Rob, to make the experience of movie going more special at home. Indeed. Stan, you're the final argument today. What will you shock with lightning and shout, it's alive, about? Uh, You might not recognize mine by its formal name, the Danger Hip Top. The Danger Hip Top. Well, that sounds pretty hip to me. You've got one minute starting now. Yeah, so you, you may actually have never heard the phrase danger hip-top before because this device was better known as the T-Mobile Sidekick. Mm. And the Sidekick, if you'll remember, was sort of this 
proto-smartphone, but it was for young people. It wasn't like the trio, the palm things that were meant for, you know, doing spreadsheets and stuff. This was meant for texting people stupid trash, and, like, all the young people I know had them. And it was this amazing device that the screen, it had a screen in the middle, and it you pushed it up, and you were me- it was meant to be used horizontally. So it had this great big keyboard on it. And it had this little nub that you could push around. And, like, I can't help but think to look back at that device and think about all the cool stuff you'd be able to do. Because I've been playing Apple Arcade games recently on my phone. And they're fun, but some of them feel limited by the touchscreen. And I'm not going to buy, like, a fancy controller to attach to my phone yet. I probably will eventually. But this had that built in. And I... I've had some particularly egregious and your time is up typing errors lately <laughs> and I think this would fix that. I want to use my phone horizontally again and this one made you do it and I think it was great. All right. I exceed my time. <laughs> Stan just took the time that Rob and I didn't use. That's true. Yeah, there you go. You can turn your phone horizontally if you want. You can, but have you ever tried typing on your phone horizontally? It's terrible. It is, it's really terrible. awful. Yeah. And this thing And this you could touch type on a on a sidekick, it was great. It was a physical yeah. keyboard. Yeah. You didn't have to look at it because it had a physical keyboard and it had this little jog dial controller. It really just was amazing. And I keep seeing these new like split screen and folding phones and like just make one that works hor- like a little laptop for me to use with my fingers. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I think that would be awesome. And like I really – I saw a sidekick the other day and I was like, man, I just missed that. Like that was – it was really, really good at what it did. All right, it's time to vote, and I think we should vote in the same order that we presented. So, Corinne, who will you be voting for today? You know, I think Stan got me with the sidekick. I was, like, a little dubious when he started, but it makes a lot of sense. Rob, who will you vote for today? I would also vote for Stan because it was a practical pitch as opposed to mine, which is a pitch based on nostalgia, or Corinne, which was basically for a product that is just less good than Alexa. <laughs> I mean, if you just want to let all of these like creepy, spooky bot things haunt your house, that's totally your business. It, it is the season for that. Yes. Stan, who are you voting for today? I honestly just purely selfishly would have probably given it to Rob because he tricked me and plugged, plucked one of my heartstrings that was the video store and that I really liked going to the video store. I guess it doesn't matter because I already won. <laughs> exactly. Already won. Corinne's arms are crossed and I should have just voted for her because she's looking at me in a way that suggests I should have. Well, Stan, <laughs> congratulations. Thank you all for listening along. Oh, why? <laughs> why did it have to be the last one? That zombie skittle is going to take us out for the week. Thank you so much. Have a great week. We'll catch you back here next Monday for another edition of Popular Science's Techathlon. Techathlon is a popular science podcast. We're available on all major podcast platforms, so subscribe wherever you're listening now. And if you like what you hear, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It will help other people to find the show. You can buy our merch, including t-shirts, tote bags, and mugs at popsci.threadless.com. The show is produced by the entire PopSci tech team and me, Jason Letterman. Our theme music is by Billy Cadden. If you have questions, suggestions, or opinions to share, tweet us at Show. Thanks for listening.